wants coffee? Who wants a pot of coffee? I just make coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now it's time for the man with the caffeine, the new tropics for the brain. It's Coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started. here in a minute so we'll be back in 30 seconds. and we're back here java chats in here with art bell talking about um talking about his time at hbo and we when we left off he, we were talking about he just picked up a, a job forecasting at hbo and he's been he's been thinking about this comedy central this comedy channel thing sorry comedy central comes later this comedy channel thing for a while since like business school Back in those days, if you wanted to bring an idea like that, you had to do this thing called a pitch. Now, for those of you that are entrepreneurs, you know pitch as going and finding money. Slightly different story in broadcast. Same same premise, but I don't know if it's, I don't know if the story is going to be the same. So I want to hear hear how this fall, lays out. Art, how did you, how did that how did you do it? Well, I, the good news I thought at the time was I was at HBO, which was you know an innovator in the television business. Absolutely. And I thought, okay, so they're probably up for some innovation. And I started talking, talking it up and thinking about it and writing it up for myself and everything else. And then mm -hmm. one day I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, what do I have to lose? I'm young and stupid. I am going to go and I am going to try and make an appointment with the head of programming at HBO. Boy, now, that was a pretty gutsy move on my <laughs> yes, part. Yes, it right? is. <laughs> Her name was Bridget. She was considered some kind of a genius, as many programmers were in those days, yeah. and maybe to a certain extent still are. <laughs> golden gut, you know, they know what to put on, they know what to produce. I mean, she was a formidable person. Yeah. But she said, okay, she'd see me. And I went into her office and I said, Bridget, I think HBO should start an all comedy network. And she said, stop right there. <laughs> that is the worst idea. Oh, I've ever heard. damn. <laughs> and she said, let me tell you why. First of all, nobody wants to watch 24 hours of comedy. That's crazy. Second of all, there's lots of comedy on TV already. Third, you're not going to get any good comedians on that channel. Who, what, you think Robin Williams is going to be on an all-comedy channel? No. And finally, I just would like to mention that why would HBO risk its reputation on starting a new channel? We're doing great. And yeah. we have comedy. And she said, thanks for coming in. There's the door. Take care of yourself. And I walked out and, you know, that was like a big truckload of uh, cold water thrown on me and, and my concept. That was more like a five inch gun blown in your face, dude. She took, <laughs> she took no, she took no prisoner on that shot. My gosh, that was just one good here. Have this. Boom. Yeah. But I, I will say I, I walked down the hall uh, away as I was walking away from her office. I thought, you know what? She's wrong. Okay. She thinks it's a bad idea, but it's, it's not a bad idea. And somebody will start a network that's all comedy. And it, you know, why shouldn't it be me? So I went back to my office mm -hmm. and I really put some effort into writing it up, getting the financials together, uh, thinking a lot about how the programming would work, how to launch it inexpensively. Boy, that forecasting um, must've come in really handy at that well, that's point. That's it. I mean, you know, I had a financial background. Yeah, that. yeah, um, absolutely. But again, I, I had also, I, I considered myself creative in that I'd done a lot of theater in school. I'd done a lot of writing by then. I, I really thought of myself as someone who was multidisciplinary 
you had, I had you no had experience. Both, you had, had both left and right brain rolling at the same time. That's yeah. perfect, dude. Are you kidding? That's that's you, you can bring a concept to life very well if you're able to back it up with the science. The creative is beautiful, but right. you got to have that other backing too. And you had them both. I can, right. I can see a perfect storm coming here. Keep going. <laughs> but I had I had lots of cred on the finance and economic side. Uh-huh. I'd had a job for three years in economics in yeah. Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. And I was good at it. I was okay. smart. On the creative side, zip. I mean, you know, <laughs> I felt it inside me. And yeah. I felt I could do it. But I wasn't in programming. I had never <clears throat> produced anything. I'd never produced a show. I'd never, mm -hmm. I'd never even been on a radio at that point, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was hard to be taken seriously. That said, I put everything together and it was, you know, as crazy as it seems. I thought, okay, I'll either do it myself by raising money. Hello to all the entrepreneurs out there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or I'll take it to Viacom or to CBS sure. or to some other big company who may be interested. And I'll staple it to my resume and get a job over there. Right. We'll see what happens. As I was doing that, um, as luck would have it, my boss's boss happened by and asked Ask me, what are you doing? You're, you know, it's late. You're not supposed to be working right now. What's going on? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm working on this thing, you know. And he said, let me see. And he took a look at it. And he said, this is great. He said, this is really interesting. And all comedy network. I like that. He says, you know, I bet Michael Fuchs, the chairman of HPO, would like to hear about this. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> and he said, let's go. And I said, what, right now? And I said, and he said, yeah, let's go. That's, that's, that's how that happens usually. And that's... I said, okay. And we walked down the hall, got in the elevator and went to his office, you know, and, and let me just tell you something. Michael Fuchs at that moment had been declared by the New York times magazine in a cover story, the most powerful man in Hollywood. So there's me who had just recently been blown to smithereens by Bridget who worked for Michael <laughs> walking into Michael's office to pitch ex exactly the same idea. So I did. And I pitched my little heart out. And I, I think what got me through that was my passion for the idea, because I love comedy. Sure. And the fact that I had thought it through. And also, and I like to mention this, the vision. I think what I sold Michael on was when I said, a couple of things. One was, you know, in 10 years, Michael, if this thing works, we are going to be the center of the comedy universe. Yep. And that was, that was kind of a North star for us. I mean, we mm -hmm. called it lots of different things, but that was essentially what, what I said we wanted to be. And I said also, and this is a good, good note for any, anybody out there. I said, somebody else is going to do it. Might as well be us. You want somebody else to walk in off with that gigantic comedy audience? I said, right now we are comedy on television. Yeah. We have all, we have those one hour specials. We have yep. young comedian specials. Yep. We are, you can't see Robin Williams act uncut anywhere in except the world, HBO. except That's the right. club or HBO. Yep. That's it. Yep. That's true. And I think uh, Michael loved comedy. And I think that he said, okay, let's, let's give it a try. Now he didn't say, let's, you know, let's launch it tomorrow. He said, okay, let's do some more research. Let's do a demo tape. Let's, get our ducks in a row. He was very careful because of course he had a business to run and he had yeah. bosses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were owned by time Inc at the time. 
So oh. we had to, we had to, you know, he he was going to have to make a case for the thing too to spend <clears> money. <throat> on. Right, right. Anyway, right. so that's what happened, and that was how we got started. And I ended up giving a a big presentation to about thirty executives at, at HBO a couple months later. And Michael said, "I love it. I want it launched in six months." And I said, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> Six months? Are you kidding me? I didn't say that. I said, "Oh, okay, great." And I, you know, that was really having a tiger by the tail, especially since, as you, you know, at this point, I had really no experience in programming in comedy. I didn't know the comedy business. I didn't know whether this whole concept was going to work. And suddenly, this whole thing is sitting on my shoulders. And I'll tell you, it was a moment of. Uh, excitement and terror at the same time, <laughs> and and the, the the real challenge at that moment was to try to keep the terror from you know overwhelming <laughs> yeah, yeah. the excitement, and also from trying to look scared, you know, keep from looking scared. Right, right. It was scary. So there I was, and they teamed me up with a guy named Stu Smiley, who was the head of comedy at HBO. He was a programmer who had been in the comedy business for ten years. At <clears throat> so you had and, somebody with experience at least to help guide. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what the first thing he said to me? What? What the hell do you know about comedy? <laughs> and he said that probably a hundred times in the first two weeks we were working together. Oh, because, and he was right. I didn't know anything about comedy other than I liked it. Yeah. So that was that was the start of a crazy uh, partnership. How, how did that, like, I'm going to go dig on this because partnerships uh, like that usually end up being very interesting. And at, and at and at many times, um, very beneficial, um, just because of the fact that there's one who has a vision and drive and one who has experience. Um, how did that work between the two of you? Well, after, right. after the first two weeks of shock and figuring out that you had to work together. <laughs> Look, I wasn't Stu's boss and he wasn't my boss. We were uh, co-equals. We were reporting to Michael, essentially, okay. Michael Fuchs. And Stu had no choice in the matter. He was going to have to help put together a comedy network, whether he liked it or not. Now, you know, from his point of view, honestly, he thought it was a great idea. He and I disagreed on the best way to go about it. I uh, will say that. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, again, I was the business guy. I was a suit at that point. That's what they call us. And Stu was the, you know, the entertainment guy. So his job was to kind of put some, talent together comedians people who would be working in and around the channel writers and my job was to do basically everything else you know <laughs> like figure out what the channel was going to look like marketing branding uh i was in charge of a large part of the programming everything that Stu wasn't doing which was movies and series and you, you had the startup you had the pure startup that was it yeah you know and there was a word for it that had just kind of come about in those days and it was called intrapreneurship that's when you're starting a company inside another yep. company. And <clears throat> yep. It's a big deal today. I mean, there's an entrepreneur Institute in Denver, Colorado. They found me after I wrote the book because they were very interested. That's cool. Um, but it's, it's like entrepreneurship, but there are real differences. Uh, and we can talk about that if you want, but Stu and I, as a partnership, it was, uh, we got it done. I will say that, but it, there were, there were times where we were really kind of going at it, you know, really disagreeing with each other, especially when things weren't going very well, which is most of the time. <laughs> was that during the six months leading up to launch or was that during? Yeah. Well, it was during, 
the six months leading up to launch, because everybody was kind of like working crazy seven days a week, 24 hours a day, just yeah. trying to get this thing together. And remember, we weren't there saying, okay, let's just copy that other comedy channel over there and do it a little mm. bit better. <clears throat> this was comedy channel number one. We were yeah. doing this from scratch. Nobody had an idea of what this really would be or should be or could be or mm -hmm. would look like or mm -hmm. how would it work. Mm -hmm. And that's on, the, that's on the programming and creative side and everything. On the other side, we had to make a business out of it. You know, We had to sell advertising. We had to get you know, distribution so that people could watch it. Believe me, there was a lot to do. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it was just a lot to do. And, be, and so the pressure was very intense. I'm to sure. Get to launch. Then we launched. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, years later, somebody said to me, you're after this is after, you know, there were about 20 channels in those days. Right. But, you know, ultimately it got to be 500 or something. It, yeah, something like that. So there were all kinds of people launching channels. And they were talking <clears> to me and somebody was about to launch a channel or had launched a channel and said, and the observation was you're never as good. You never look as good as a channel as you do the day before your launch, because on the day you're launched, everybody can see exactly what oh, yeah. you are. There's oh, no yeah. More, there's no more bullshitting about it. There's no more <laughs> saying it's going to be great. There's no more saying it's going to be this, that, and the other thing. There you are. And that's exactly what happened in comedy. You know, Michael Fuchs had gone out there very proud of the concept, you know. We're HBO. We know how to make programming. We know how to do comedy. This is going to be the funniest channel ever. And I'm like, don't tone it down, Mikey. <laughs> tone it down. <laughs> we don't know where this is going to end up. Can, maybe we should do a little soft launch, you know? Yeah. But no, that's not Michael. And that's no. not the entertainment business. That's not show Mike. business, you know? <laughs> so he put himself way out there, you know? And when it didn't go well, even leading up to the launch, I got to say, we were sweating bullets. And oh, then yeah. when we launched, the press creamed us and they creamed us partly because Michael put himself out there. And yeah. Again, when somebody <clears throat> says, okay, you're the most powerful man in Hollywood and the press has a chance to say, Hey, look what the pro most powerful guy in Hollywood just screwed up royally. Let's yeah. take a look at that. They love doing that. They had it's so just, much fun oh my at our expense, at our expense. And, and that, that was very hard, which is why the subtitle of my book is, how I launched Comedy Central and lost my sense of humor because every day I went to work thinking they were going to pull the plug. Every oh, day. Yeah. I'm sure. That's how hard it was. And that's yeah. what I wanted to convey. And that's what I wanted to write about in this book is how incredibly crushingly difficult it can be. I don't think anybody realizes what, well, some of the entrepreneurs do, I'm sure, but I don't think everybody realizes just exactly how much work goes into actually launching a channel. You know, you mentioned six months, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. But that wasn't a joke back in those days. I mean, that was truth. You know, I, I hear some entrepreneurs these days are like, well, you know, I try to set my boundaries and make my, I'm like, bruh, if you were any time back in the 70s, you would know what it means to really struggle to open up a business, especially one that happens to sit inside a major network like that. Because it's not a joke when somebody says seven days a week, 24 hours a day, you have no life. But you have a vision and a passion to drive something. And like you said, day of launch, uh, you might have been saying it's a beautiful unicorn and all of a sudden they show up and it's a pig with, with lipstick. It, it, it doesn't bode well. But it was an easy recovery over time. I mean, you guys, you said 10 years. It didn't take 10 years. 
No, it didn't take 10 years. Um, we started to get an audience pretty quickly, even though yeah. the press was merciless. That's usually um, why and, people show up because they want to see if it's true. Well, they want to see if it's true. And uh, not only that, but we had a couple of things going for us. One, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, my gosh. Had shown up at our door completely unexpectedly before we launched. It, we, it's a funny story. Huh. Our, our head writer, we had a head writer at the huh. channel, which is amazing to think about. And his name was Eddie Gordetsky. He's still a writer today. He's a very funny guy. And uh, he said, uh, he said, hey, you know, he talked like that. Hey, you know, we need, we need a show that's where comedians watch movies or television and make jokes. And we said, yeah, that sounds good, Eddie. Um, so everybody started working on that show. And about a week later, in the mail, a package came and it had a letter in it. And it was from the guys who did Mystery Science Theater 3000. And they said, hey, we've been doing this at a station in Minneapolis. We hear you're launching a comedy channel. We Is this something in. you'd be interested in? Holy cow. We throw the cassette into the player and we were blown away, hysterical. And there it was. I mean, that's that's the that's the show that Eddie was talking about, uh -huh. um, and it's been done a million times in a million ways uh, since then. But these guys nailed it. So we got on a plane. I got on a plane the next day. Went to Minneapolis, inked the deal. Nice. Uh, and the rest is history. So, so you know, in terms of some of the things that kept me going, that was one of the things that kept me going because even before we launched, an innovative comedy programming found us. There we were. We were a magnet for this stuff. And we you, was that the, was that the first magnet. deal? It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was the first deal, but it was the first time we were looking at a piece of programming that would have never been on NBC, CBS, or ABC, or HBO. Yeah. I mean, it just would not have seen the light of day sure. had it not been for the existence of a comedy channel. And I thought, okay, come hell or high water, eventually this thing is going to be successful because- sure. Innovative comedy is going to find us and people will come to appreciate that. So anyway, I, I started to say, so that happened and that, that kind of anchored us for the first few months and kind of got a lot of attention in a good way. Yeah. And on top of that, we would go out and talk to advertisers and the advertiser would say, you know what? We looked at the channel. We don't think it's any good for our, you know, for us, but I got to say my 17 year old kid is watching this thing and thinks it's great. <laughs> and I don't know what he's talking about, but there it is. <laughs> and so at, at that point I started to say, wait a second, we're getting an audience here. We're getting yeah. some fans. We're getting people writing to us. So yeah. it was a very slow build, but remember I'm going to work every day saying, what, how am I going to make this thing better? Yep. What am I going to do <clears throat> more of that's working? What am I going to do less of that's not working? And that's the game. You know, it's a channel. It's not a movie where you make it, you put it out on Wednesday by the following Monday, it either made money or it didn't. Or it didn't, yeah, yeah. You can't change it. This, you make adjustments every day. And that's what we did. We put, we turned up the stand-up comedy dial. We put more stand-up on than we had originally mm -hmm. intended. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and we got some other programming. You know, we, we, we just kept, as I said, comedy improvisation, that's what it was. How are we going to get our footing? There's a, there's an improv, well, there's a bunch of improvisational um, groups, if you will. Second City being one of the most um, successful. 
do you akin that to like what you guys had to deal with as far as improvising? I mean, literally coming in on a daily basis and just like, oh, here's Tuesday. What do we do today? Kind of thing. I mean, is that is that kind of what you're saying that you had to deal with? Well, not only that, here's Monday night at 3 a.m. What are we going to do? <laughs> oh, it gets that bad. Okay. Waking, you know, staring at the ceiling. <laughs> well, let's talk about improvisation a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because improvisation is underrated as a business tool. Hugely. Um, go, go, yeah. go. Yeah, hugely. Yeah. I, I would um, agree. And I took, I, 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 I took, I, when I first came to New York, one of the things I did is I took a, a comedy improvisation class uh -huh. at um, one of the comedy improv groups in New York, and there were several. Uh, and Chicago City Limits, it was called. I just remember oh, Chicago cool. City Limits. Okay. And that class, I was, you know, I was kind of a funny guy, but that class he taught me all about improvisation, how you have to think fast on your feet, how you can't say no or I don't know. Yeah. How you have to really respond to whatever's going on around you and work with whatever's going on around you to, in that case, put on a show. But in real life, it comes, and it's certainly in business, you're up against the same thing. You're giving a presentation. Somebody's asking questions. You're, mm -hmm. you know, you're on the spot. You're improvising. Okay. You are not, you don't know what's going to happen. And in fact, improvisational comedy groups have been teamed up with business quite a bit. As a matter of fact, I just heard, there's a guy who wrote, hmm, there's a guy at the University of Denver who wrote a book called Business Shtick. Nice. And I was talking to him and I can't remember his name, unfortunately, but um, he was telling me that, um, that SCTV had just teamed up with the University of Chicago. Really? to business school and this huh. is like a this has got to be six weeks ago to um to work together to to mine this area this understanding you know of how improvisation and improvisational comedy can help executives be better executives can help business people be better business people uh and one more example my my younger brother who is been in improvisational comedy most of his life he also is a is a uh works in it but he wrote a book called exchanging apples which he self-published and his name is larry bell and it's about what improvisational comedy taught him about management so this is i'm not making this up improvisational comedy and improvisation as a concept is a really good one especially for entrepreneurs because what do entrepreneurs do, or in my case, entrepreneurs? You're reacting. Yeah. You're, you're thinking about how to change your product or how to get more money or how to whatever, but you're really doing it on a day-to-day -day basis and you're reacting to the environment and what's going on. Because if you're not, then you're just going to stay. You're going to keep things as they are, and that's going to go flying beautifully down deep into oh, the sure. sea sure. and get nowhere. Yeah, because you're talking about the market's telling you what it wants. If you're not going to give the market what it wants, you're not going to get any sales of anything, no matter whether it's a product or service. And that's, that's something that they well know, but I think that's a, another good way of, of uh, giving perspective on what that is. If you can't be ready to change something, knowing that that one little widget or that one little aspect needs to be tweaked, your competitor is going to come out with it. Like you were warning. And all of a sudden 
your sales go through the floor, through the floor. Right. Or never take off worth, worth which is, which is, yeah, which is (laughs) even better. Um, It's interesting to see when I used to work uh, for an angel investment firm, I was kind of like the investment manager. My job was to go out and go find potential deals. And I can't tell you how many people I used to come across. And I would ask them what their their concept was, and they would lay out the concept. Oh yeah, this is cool. It's what we're gonna do. <clears throat> the time this was all the apps and tech stuff was going on, and I would ask, I would ask them. So what happens if uh, if these projections don't work? Oh no, no, they'll, they'll work. They'll work. How can you be so sure? Well, because this worked. I'm like, okay. <clears throat> you think it worked like that out the gate? Do you honestly believe that they didn't face a few challenges before they even opened doors? Well, I'm sure they did, but it's probably not going to. I'm like, <laughs> buddy, let me share something with you. <laughs> if you're not ready to pivot in a moment's notice, this concept is going to die before it ever makes it yeah. out into the marketplace. That's right. That's right. And they named it pivoting. We didn't have a name for it in those days. Yeah, I know that that came it out was like just it was just called what are we gonna do now? <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? You keep the North Star in front of you, you know. And the North Star was come hell or high water, we were gonna make a comedy network. Now that also applied to after the merger. Remember, we merged, yeah, with another channel that was completely different, completely different concept in comedy. And I didn't know I had a, if I'd have a job, but I did have a job. They said they took me and they took the head programmer at the other channel and they threw us together and they said, okay, you guys make a channel out of this. Oh. And you <laughs> can't call it ha and you can't call it the comedy channel. I said, what do you mean? And, Come on. The comedy channel is the greatest name ever for the comedy channel. <laughs> I said, no, it would make it look like you guys won, you know? So, so I was a little concerned and nervous because our concepts were different. Our cultures were different. This was the MTV guys with the HBO guys. But almost immediately, I realized that those guys and us guys wanted the same thing. We wanted to make a, a network that celebrated comedy. <clears throat> and so we came to terms very quickly, figured out what we were going to do. And again, we were in the same boat. We had to keep finding new things to do pivoting as you call it or just you know turning up the good stuff and down the bad stuff uh and 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 start the whole thing over we put more stand up on than we had originally intended mm-hmm. um and uh and we got some other programming you know we 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 just kept as i said comedy improvisation that's what it was how are we going to get our footing there's a there's an improv well there's a bunch of improvisational um, groups if you will Second City being one of the most um, successful. Do you akin that to like what you guys had to deal with as far as improvising? I mean, literally coming in on a daily basis and just like, oh, here's Tuesday. What do we do today? Kind of thing. I mean, is that is that kind of what you're saying that you had to deal with? Well, not only that. Here's Monday night at three a.m. What we're we gonna do? <laughs> Oh, it gets that bad. Okay. Waking, you know, staring at the ceiling. <laughs> well, let's talk about improvisation a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because improvisation is underrated 
as a business tool? Hugely. Um, go, go, yeah. go. Yeah, hugely. Yeah. I, I would um, agree. And I took, I, 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 I took, I, I, when I first came to New York, one of the things I did is I took a, a comedy improvisation class uh -huh. at um, one of the comedy improv groups in New York. And there were several. Uh, and Chicago City Limits, it was called. I just remember, oh, Chicago cool. City Limits. Okay. And that class, I was, you know, I was kind of a funny guy, but that class he taught me all about improvisation, how you have to think fast on your feet, how you can't say no or I don't know, Yeah. how you have to really respond to whatever's going on around you and work with whatever's going on around you to, in that case, put on a show. But in real life, it comes, and it's certainly in business, you're up against the same thing. You're giving a presentation. Somebody's asking questions. You're, mm -hmm. you know, you're on the spot. You're improvising. Okay. You are not, you don't know what's going to happen. And in fact, improvisational comedy groups have been teamed up with business quite a bit. As a matter of fact, I just heard, there's a guy who wrote, there's hmm, a guy at the University of Denver who wrote a book called Business Shtick. Nice. And I was talking to him and I can't remember his name, unfortunately, but um, he was telling me that, um, that SCTV had just teamed up with the University of Chicago really? to business school. And this huh. is like a, this has got to be six weeks ago to, um, to work together, to, to mine this area, this understanding, you know, of how improvisation and improvisational comedy can help executives be better executives can help business people be better business people. Uh, and one more example, my, my younger brother who has been in improvisational comedy most of his life, he also is a, is a, uh, works in it, but he wrote a book called exchanging apples, which he self-published and his name is Larry Bell. And it's about what improvisational comedy taught him about management. So this is, I'm not making this up improvisational comedy and improvisation as a concept is a really good one, especially for entrepreneurs, because what do entrepreneurs do? Or in my case, entrepreneurs, you're reacting. Yeah. You're, you're thinking about how to change your product or how to get more money or how to whatever, but you're really doing it on a day-to-day -day basis and you're reacting to the environment and what's going on. Because if you're not, then you're just going to stay. You're going to keep things as they are. And that's going to go flying beautifully down deep into oh, the sure. sea sure. and get nowhere. Yeah, because you're talking about the market's telling you what it wants. If you're not going to give the market what it wants, you're not going to get any sales of anything, no matter whether it's a product or service. And that's that's something that they well know. But I think that's a, another good way of, of uh, giving perspective on what that is. If you can't be ready to change something, knowing that that one little widget or that one little aspect needs to be tweaked, your competitor is going to come out with it, like you were warning, and all of a sudden your sales go through the floor, through the floor, <clears throat> right? Or never take off worth, worth. Which yet. is, which is, yeah, which is <laughs> even better. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting to see. When I used to work uh, for an angel investment firm, I was kind of like the investment manager. My job was to go out and go find potential deals, and I can't tell you how many people I used to come across. <clears throat>
and I would ask them what their their concept was, and they would lay out the concept. Oh yeah, this is cool. It's what we're gonna do. <clears throat> the time this was all the apps and tech stuff was going on, and I would ask, I would ask them. So what happens if uh, if these projections don't work? Oh no, no, they'll, they'll work. They'll work. How can you be so sure? Well, because this worked. I'm like, okay. <clears throat> you think it worked like that out the gate? Do you honestly believe that they didn't face a few challenges before they even opened doors? Well, I'm sure they did, but it's probably not going to. I'm like, <laughs> buddy, let me share something with you. <laughs> if you're not ready to pivot in a moment's notice, this concept is going to die before it ever makes it yeah. out into the marketplace. That's right. That's right. And they named it pivoting. We didn't have a name for it in those days. Yeah, I know that that came it out was like just it was just called what are we gonna do now? <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? You keep the North Star in front of you, you know, and the North Star was come hell or high water, we were gonna make a comedy network. Now that also applied to after the merger. Remember, we merged. Yeah. With another channel that was completely different, completely different concept in comedy. And I didn't know I had a, if I'd have a job, but I did have a job. They said they took me and they took the head programmer at the other channel and they threw us together and they said, okay, you guys make a channel out of this. Oh. And you <laughs> can't call it ha and you can't call it the comedy channel. I said, what do you mean? Hey, come on. The comedy channel is the greatest name ever for the comedy channel. <laughs> I said, no, it would make it look like you guys won, you know? So, so I was a little concerned and nervous because our concepts were different. Our cultures were different. This was the MTV guys were the HBO guys. But almost immediately, I realized that those guys and us guys wanted the same thing. We wanted to make a, a network that celebrated comedy. <clears throat> and so we came to terms very quickly, figured out what we were going to do. And again, we were in the same boat. We had to keep finding new things to do pivoting as you call it or just you know turning up the good stuff and down the bad stuff uh and 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 start the whole thing over again essentially well but, you're talking you got you had like two completely different you mentioned different cultures obviously different perspectives on on something that was trying to de deliver essentially the same product what were what were some of those major things that you guys had to overcome I think it was mostly cultural, um, uh, a little bit on concept. You know, our concept, we were going for young, edgy comedy, and uh, their concept was, as they announced it, comedy for folks from 5 to 95. You know, that's a pretty broad wow. demographic. And they started with, you know, th these were the guys who were doing Nick at Night, which was a amazingly successful channel. Yeah. So what they had <clears throat> lying around, that they could use quickly were sitcoms, old sitcoms. Yeah, so yeah. this was, they were, and believe me, I, that's definitely I a different. I think I'm denigrating old old sitcoms, love old sitcoms, but that's not what we were trying to do. No, no, the, the aims were completely comedy. different. So, so when we came together, we had to really kind of navigate that difference, and we navigated it by sort of what we had in common, mm -hmm. because they they saw what was good about us, and we saw what was good about them. And we got to cherry pick some programming at that point. They had, they had Saturday Night Live reruns, which we wanted so desperately. Oh, yeah, and we, it was a huge bidding war. Saturday Night Live had never been rerun. I mean, Lauren Michaels, 
who was producing it, you know, he'd produce it. They'd show it once on NBC. They'd show it again in the summertime. And that was it. It went into the basement and Lauren owned them. Um, we went to Lauren and said, can we license those things? And Lauren said, okay. And almost immediately, the hot guy said, hey, we want to license them. And boom, price went skyrocketing and we lost the bidding war. So the hot guys got it. But the good news is suddenly we merged and we got it. You know, now, now it's part of our channel and it kind of helped <clears throat> define us because, listen, the two greatest brands in comedy in the, in the U.S. in the last 30 years, SNL. Comedy Central and, and, uh, and Saturday SNL. Night Live, yeah. I will, yep. I will yep. posit. Um, so that was important. And we, you know, we, we worked a little bit with the talent at Saturday Night Live because we were showing their stuff, you know, and, uh, and that set us on a, on a course that, that was closer to the young edgy comedy that yeah. we were doing that persisted essentially. Yeah. And so, and you guys finally got to that point when it came to the brand, how did you guys settle on that? How did you guys finally figure out that comedy central? I mean, honestly, it's a logical brand name to me. Um, but having the, having the pride of the comedy cha channel, Make, being merged with Ha. Again, I never got that brand. But how did you guys find? <laughs> I know, right? I'm just like, okay, great. The Ha channel almost sounds anyway. Um, but you guys eventually came to the brand, the Comedy Central. How yeah. did that come about? Well, it's you know, it's a great story, and it's a story I tell in my book. Um, well, don't give it all away. Just give them the highlights. No, no. I, I listen. <laughs> I don't mind. I mean. <laughs> I hope everybody reads the book, but I know they won't. Uh, uh, that's uh, well, this everybody's going to be reading that book. That's for oh, damn sure. I hope so. Yeah. Thank you. Anyway, so we got together and it was a big challenge. We had to launch soon. We didn't have a name. So we hired a company. This is New York City. So we hired a company sure. that worked with names, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they came in and gave a presentation. And at the presentation, they said, okay, we got some names for you. And I, I skipped this up before the presentation, the other guy and me, his name was Michael, the head of programming, Michael Klinghoffer, the head of programming from the other channel. We talked a lot about what we wanted our comedy network to be. And we conveyed that to the <clears throat> company that was naming it. And one of the things we said was, yeah, we want to be the center of the comedy universe. That was as clear as we could make it, mm -hmm. you know? So they come in and give the presentation and they suggested some names and the names were like, Oh, you're kidding me. Right. Um, <laughs> one was Acme. One was big. One was, you know, and then he said, yeah, because you know, you guys, we, I, we said, why big? He said, you guys want to be big. You know, you want to be the, you want to be the center of the comedy universe. As you said, you want to be comedy central. Oh, bing. I said, I said, well, <laughs> you know, stop right there. And, <laughs> and as I say in the book, the guy said, Oh, you can't name it comedy central. Why? <laughs> On the nose, oh, you know, the on the nose. On. this is the television business. Um, so he said, Okay, all right, you know, we're we're we don't know, you're smarter you're, than we you're, are, you're so the guy. Yeah. we got it. Okay, so we decided to do some testing on the on the names, and we had like four or five names that they had suggested, or somebody else had suggested. And the research guy says, Hey, you know what, you got to throw in another name or two, you know. So we said, Okay, hey, why don't we throw in Comedy Central? You know, the name that guy didn't like. Just for, uh, just for shits and giggles. Let's see what happens. <laughs> just for shits and giggles. Exactly. <laughs> Cut to. Was, the results come back. It's like 85% loved Comedy Central. The next oh, highest geez. one was four. You know? I mean, 
<laughs> Two on the nose. Yeah, so that's the we point, buddy. That's the name. point. We had a name, <laughs> and that was a that was a big moment for us. And you know what? Even then, I liked. I you know I didn't as much as I loved the Comedy Channel. Even then, I thought you know that's a pretty good name for us, Comedy Central. You know, being the center of the comedy universe, and, you gotta and have we, that. And we put that name on, and we wore it proudly, and it worked like a charm. That was. If you think about it, it's cred and authority in a name and the brand name in, in, a, in and of itself. I mean, where else do you go? Right. For well, anything. You got to remember, you're talking, you're talking uh, 30 years of establishing that. You know, you call your Comedy Central, self-Comedy Central on day two, people go, maybe. But it's, it's aspirational. And that's, you know, yeah. that's a good note, too. Yeah. You want your name to be aspirational. You want your tagline to be aspirational. You want to hear our first tagline? What was it? We're all going to die. Watch Comedy Central. Oh, my gosh. I don't remember this one, but that's awesome. <laughs> it was awesome because, you, you know, I called my kid brother, Larry Bell. Huh? I called him and I said, what do you think of that? He says, oh, that's a star. That's great. You know, <laughs> then I mentioned it to my father and he said, you can't say that. <laughs> and I thought, this is perfect, man. My my kid brother loves it. My father isn't going to watch. He doesn't care. It works to keep him away. And perfect. And that was our first uh, first uh, tagline. Well, that has, but, there has to be a story around that, too, I'm sure, because that's we're all going to. How we came up with that? Yeah, there is. Hey, you know, I'm doing an audio book. Maybe I can read it on there. I think, I think you'll need to. You're going to have to add that story in there. We're all going to die. Just watch These are Central. all great. Really, you know, when I sat down to write the book, I realized I had a lot of crazy great stories about, about how this all came about. And how, you know, again, how difficult it was, but how much fun it was. Would you, and I'm sure the answer is yes, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Was it worth it? all the shit that you had to deal with because there's a lot of stuff that we haven't talked about with regards to leaving Comedy Central, <clears throat> the drama that went on in the background because there's a shit ton of drama, I'm sure. These things never get done without a lot of strife. These things never get done without a lot of friction. Was it worth it? Yes, I mean, that's a short answer. Listen, it's great looking back, looking in my rearview mirror and seeing this giant comedy edifice still standing after 30 years, April 1st. 30-year anniversary of Comedy Central. It's just amazing. You know, again, Saturday Night Live, what are they up to? 40, 50, 60, I don't know. <clears throat> yep, and that's um, still going. And still going. And still going. And that's amazing too. Yes, it is. But there you go, you know? Yeah, it's, a, um, it's an amazing concept. And, and I'm very proud of it. Now, I left Comedy Central after basically eight years because I was fired. What, what was that all about? What happened there? Well, I, I was... You know, I was in programming and marketing and I was working for the president of the channel. The president of the channel got fired by the board. And as everybody knows who's ever worked in a corporation, when your boss gets fired, uh, chain behind him know, usually follows. The, the room starts going like this. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And that's what happened. The new guy came in and, true to form, fired all the old guys <laughs> and gals um, pretty quickly. You know, there's two approaches to taking over a company or taking over a job like that at the top. And one is to fire everybody because you want to bring your team in and to hell with everything else. Yeah. And two is, hey, let's see if there's anybody here worth, you know, worth working with. And let's let's see what kind of momentum we can get going. Right. Um, and I've been in that situation. I've worked at other companies where I came in and there was an existing staff. And yeah, some of them went, but not until I learned whether they were good, bad or indifferent, you know. Yeah. 
Um, And I think personally, I feel that that's a better way to do it. The person who came in and fired me didn't. It's, uh, you know, that's show business. But it, it is, it was, as you can imagine, a very personal and, and oh, sure. uh, devastating moment for me. And I remember saying to myself, what the heck do you have to do to keep a job in this town? <laughs> you know, like, how about you invent the whole channel and yeah, work right. for eight years to make it, put it on a path to success, to real big success? Uh, that, no, that didn't, that didn't work to keep my job. So, you know, is there, is there tough. any, is there any cred left to you? Well, I shouldn't say left. Is there any cred still given to you for being a part of that whole thing? I think over the years, I've been in touch with people who worked with, worked at Comedy Central. Um, and I remember one, one instance in particular where one of the development execs there was a younger guy. Uh, I got to know him because I sent a friend of mine who was a writer who had a concept. He wanted to go to development. I found out who was. And, and he said to me, the development exec said when he was talking to me, he said, you know, they should have a statue of you out front, you know, in the lobby or something because you invented this whole thing and people should know that. Uh, and I said, yeah, thanks. <laughs> but, I, you know, I think to a certain extent, some people knew. And I think that writing the book, although it was not my intention to, you know, wave my arms and say, hey, get, you know, guess what? I, I was responsible for this, as have been hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands probably at this point yeah, over yeah. the years. Don't Please don't let me, uh, you know, kid anybody that I did this all by myself. Oh, no. That's... I, was, I, was the, I was the agitator and I had a concept and I got it going, but it certainly, you know, has been built by, by hundreds and hundreds. Took a village. Took a village. Took a village. And, and so, but the thing is, I, I wrote the book and I think it's becoming, you know, sort of more acknowledged that I, I started it. And then what, that it was not only coming up with the idea, but it was pushing for eight years and finding ways to make it successful and how difficult that was. It's definitely an, an entrepreneurial book if I've ever heard of one. So that's, that's amazing. Um, guys, we're going to take another th- short 30-second break. You know, I had coffee. My tongue's already starting to tie. It's weird. Uh, we'll take another short 30-second break. When we come back, we'll see what's up in the future for Art. And we're back here, Java Chat, sitting here with Art Bell, the innovative creator of the Comedy Central Station. Uh, for those of you that are really young, it's a huge deal. <laughs> I don't care how you look at it. Uh, it'd be the same as somebody creating... Amazon Prime uh, today, uh, because at the time it was unheard of, unthought of, and was definitely an innovation in broadcasting, um, dealing with all the different things that he, that he had to deal with back then. Um, it wasn't all under one roof, guys. You couldn't watch it on your phone. This is the reality of it. And, that, and the reason I say this is because I've noticed a lot of our listeners are in their early 20s to 30s. You show them a rotary dial phone and they look at it like, what is it? Uh, and, you know, you and I are sitting there going, yeah, you have no idea the pain of missing a nine. <laughs> That's uh, funny. No, nobody, nobody out of that, out of our generation knows that pain. Um, book if i've ever heard of one so that's that's amazing um guys we're gonna take another short 30 second break you know i had coffee my tongue's already starting to tie it's weird uh we'll take another short 30 second break when we come back we'll see what's up in the future for art and we're back here java chat sitting here with art bell the innovative creator of the comedy central station 
for those of you that are really young, it's a huge deal. <laughs> I don't care how you look at it. Uh, it'd be the same as somebody creating Amazon Prime uh, today uh, because at the time it was unheard of, unthought of, and was definitely an innovation in broadcasting, um, dealing with all the different things that he, that he had to deal with back then. Um, it wasn't all under one roof, guys. You couldn't watch it on your phone. This is the reality of it. And, that, and the reason I say this is because I've noticed a lot of our listeners are in their early 20s to 30s. You show them a rotary dial phone and they look at it like, what is it? Uh, and, you know, you and I are sitting there going, yeah, you have no idea the pain of missing a nine. <laughs> That's funny. No, nobody, nobody out of that, out of our generation knows that pain. Um, so Art's got a book out um, and these are memoirs and it kind of, not everybody understands what memoirs are. You want to explain how that book is written? Yeah. Memoir is the story I am telling from my point of view, based on my recollection and memory of what happened. Uh, I did very little research. For the book i did it's not a history it's not an autobiography it's really stories and 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 uh events as i recall them including dialogue and the good news is i remembered a lot of stuff including awesome. dialogue including, yeah dialogue's a big deal well there's a lot of dialogue in the book because there were, there's there were a lot of conversations mm -hmm, mm -hmm. some of them incredibly funny you know and some of them not so funny uh <laughs> but but I remember so much of that. And it was such an explosively creative time that I wanted to capture that dynamic. And I wanted to capture the people mm. and really do them justice. Yeah. Yeah. That makes uh, sense. In, in the book, the book is uh, constant comedy, by the way. Nice. It is uh, how I started comedy central and lost my sense of humor. That, that tagline really, I mean, how I lost my sense of humor. We know when I found, when I first looked at that, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this this man's been through some shit." Yeah, I mean, it has to be. Um, and and of course, sure, so through some of the descriptions and small things that I've written in reviews, you did go through some shit. I mean, even even inside the eight years that you were there, there's still that as we've been talking through the whole time. Um, and and um, so, does it start before Comedy Central, or does it start in, or where where do you where do you actually start the stories? Um, it's, it's primarily about Comedy Central okay. uh, and starts, it starts basically there. However, I do weave some stories of my childhood and other things yeah. that are relevant. You know, yeah, it's yeah, not sure, just, sure. Hey, I got a story to tell you. I mean, uh, relevant stories to, uh, to the, to the story of Comedy Central that I'm telling, mm -hmm. because I, even as a kid, I loved comedy. I, wrote satire in high school. I performed in college. I, you know, so I get some of those in, sure. bits and pieces. Um, but primarily it's a, it's a linear story of what happened from the time I pitched the channel to the time I got fired. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, it's very personal. Yeah. When you write a memoir, <clears throat> you, you find out you have to turn yourself inside out because writing a memoir and not talking about how you really feel nobody cares. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not worth doing that. Yeah. And I, I took some classes on in, at a writing Institute, Sarah Lawrence writing Institute, um, and learned how to write memoir. And I learned just from listening to the other people, you know, these people were talking about their childhood as difficult or whatever they were talking about, you know, really 
personal mm-hmm. things that mm-hmm. they hadn't shared with anybody else. But that's what you end up writing about in a memoir, personal things you didn't share about any anyone else, with anyone else. And I remember I had my wife, as you can imagine, read the book as I was writing it. And she said, man, do you really want to say that? You don't sound like, you know, a strong, powerful executive in this section. I said, I wasn't. You yeah. know, I was yeah. scared. And I want to say I was scared or I was nervous or I was whatever I was, you know, because that's what a memoir is. Uh, So I will say this too. If anybody really wants to know what goes on inside the television business or more broadly inside a corporation, here it is, you know, unfiltered and, 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 uh, and it's, it's got some, some parts of it that people have really noted. One was the whole section where I got fired. Yeah, because people don't write about that and how they felt and how it happens and what people say and how you recover and everything. So, uh, and that's you know that's the last couple of chapters of the book. It's um, it's worth reading if you're interested in working in the the entertainment business and if you're ever going to end up working in a corporation. I I I would almost venture to say too that because again you mentioned the entrepreneur portion of it, um, anybody who's thinking about getting into a business. From some of the things that we've just discussed, I can already hear there's probably some good nuggets in the book as well. So I, I, I'm going to personally just go ahead and say, hey, if you're an entrepreneur, you're interested in business, period. Here's a very, very large view by someone's personal experience. Memoirs are a good way to let out the vulnerability and the authenticity that people look for. And if you actually can nail that, which is not easy, um, I haven't tried. I, I did publish a book, but it was more just you know informational. Um, if you really want to be vulnerable, go read a memoir, you know, any of the memoirs that are, um, I can't remember what her name was, but there was one that was just a series of letters and holy cow, you want to talk about dumping your heart out on the table. A memoir is a good way to do it. So again, for anybody that's listening, um, what other things are you working on? Are you working on anything else besides the book or are you retired now or what do you do? Well, I, yes, I'm not working in business, but to, as I said, to call this retirement is not accurate. Um, <laughs> you traded one job for another. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, first of all, I love writing. I found out. That's cool. Actually, it's not like a huge discovery, but it's it's the first time I've been writing prose sort of nice way I'm writing it. And I'm writing fiction now, you know, working on, I had some short stories published cool. and I'm I'm really enjoying that. And I'm working on a longer piece, whether it becomes a novel or not, we'll see. Yeah. Great fun. And um, I'm also, with regards to the book, you know, I've been asked to speak in a lot of places. And awesome. That's been, that's been great fun. Awesome. Especially when I speak to younger people in graduate classes, business school classes, film classes. You know, yes. I mean, that's very rewarding for me. Sure. Uh, and, and in addition, I am doing a podcast. Oh, excellent. Is, yeah, I am doing a podcast with Vinny Favalli, who's in the book, who was with me when we launched comedy and uh, left around the same time as I did. <laughs> he ended up at CBS becoming a big development exec there. One of oh, the interesting cool. things is all the people who started the Comedy Channel, they were kids then, Yeah, went on to brilliant careers in the entertainment business. And that's, that's, that's some of the fun. Anyway, so that's what we're doing with this podcast. It's called The Constant Comedy podcast oh this is gonna be good art bell and vinnie favali and vinnie is a very funny guy uh, i'm relatively funny but he's very funny uh and so our conversations are really fun and 
we're talking to people, you know, we talked the other day to a, a woman who worked at comedy. We were her first job in television. Really? She went on to become the head of Fox television and also the head of Paramount Pictures. Now this, you know, what? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Her name is wow. Gail Berman. Um, we launched a lot of people into the business who yeah. became, you know, yeah. very, very, very powerful, famous people in the business. So it's a lot of fun talking to them and, you know, getting someone like that to kind of reminisce and talk about, oh man, what, you know, I couldn't believe I didn't know anything. And this is what I did. <laughs> but you know, that was the beauty of the beginning of comedy channel and comedy central was, it was a bunch of us who didn't know how to make a comedy channel, but we were going to kill ourselves trying. Yeah. You know? And that's, uh, that's what it is. And and so, so the podcast that comes out April 1st. Okay. Um, and it's available, you know, iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, the usual suspects. I like how and, you said that, the usual suspects. <laughs> and, uh, and there's more. I am working on the, uh, the audio book. Hopefully nice. that'll be up in the summer. Yeah. And I'm reading it myself. Awesome. Yeah. Even better. That's, yeah. that's. Yeah. It's really fun. Well, I'll definitely be ordering a copy of that too. Cause I love audibles. Audibles are my Good. big thing for when I go and walk and stuff like that. So I'll definitely get a copy yep. of that. Everybody likes a bit of advice here and there from people that have been there, done that. What would you say to somebody who's aspiring to create something, whether that's just a simple product or whether they're looking to create a new channel? What would you, what would you suggest to them? What would be a piece of advice that you think would be of value? Well, there's kind of a motto I live by, or I tried to live by, which is be bold and take chances, you know? And I, I think that, I think that lots of people are out there with a lot of talent and great ideas, even if they're working in a corporation, you know, especially if they're working in a corporation, corporation, you know, what corporations are bad at starting new businesses, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. And in fact, if you, sh if you show up in your corporation the way I showed up in mine, and it took a lot, you can convince them to start your business inside their corporation. And that can be a fantastic experience. Saves you the trouble of looking for money. Saves you the trouble of finding lawyers, finance people, and you know tech people and all the other things. Yeah, you, you know, the upside isn't as big that quickly. But, you know, as I always point out, I went on to a, have a really fun great career based on what I did. And people say, oh, well, you didn't own any of comedy. Yeah. All right. You know, I, I realize that didn't happen, but no regrets, no regrets. It's the best when somebody can take it, take a step out and just say, Hey, let's do it. Um, people can find you online. I assume yes. you have a website. I do. It's artbellwriter.com. Artbellwriter.com. Uh, give some more information about my book, where to buy it, the podcasts, uh, and also there's some writing that I've done that I just put up there on my blog. There's awesome. an interview with myself, which people have said is very funny. And there's uh, an interview of you with you. Did yeah. I hear that right? Yeah. I, I interview myself. That's going to um, be interesting. I'm going to go yeah. listen to that for sure. And, uh, yeah. So I, you know, drop by and read some of the stories because some of them are funny. Cool. Um, and they're not, they're not anywhere else. They're not published anywhere else. So. Okay. And then you're also on social. I know you're on LinkedIn. I sent you a request. Where else right. are you? LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and uh, Twitter. But, I, you know, it's more Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for me. Figured. Yeah. Figured as much. Awesome. Um, 
I think that's it, my friend. There's, there's the most, for those of you that uh, are looking for that book, make sure you go over to artbellwriter.com and get yourself a copy. Uh, I, I'm venturing to think that there's a lot of good information in there for anybody. I, I'm yeah. not just thinking of entrepreneurs. I'm yeah. thinking of even business pros. There's, there's gotta be stuff in there for them too. Yep. Um, and you can get it at Amazon too, by the way. And oh, the there other you go. Online, you hey, everybody loves Amazon. Amazon. Buy the hardcover, download it, whatever you like. And, uh, yep. and at bookstores, it's, it's out there. You know, I really don't want to stop this one, but <laughs> well, we, we've kind of come to the end of our time. Damn it. Um, and I've also run out of coffee, so uh, I need to go get another cup. Thanks so much, Art, for coming on here and sharing your story, sharing your insights. It's been my pleasure. It's been uh, my it's, pleasure. Mike. It's been, I love having guests like you because there's so much more to talk about. So we're probably going to be asking you back. Hopefully come talk a little bit more about the entrepreneur, entrepreneur differences and, yeah, and dig like into that. that. So that'd be fun. I like that. Um, for those of you that are watching on YouTube, don't forget over there's a subscribe button. If you're not subscribed already, make sure you do. And then hit that bell that's next to it. Cause that tells you when we get another amazing guest like art uh, and when we post it. So don't miss out. If you're listening to us on any of the platforms, podcast platforms that we're on, I think we're on 13 or something like that. Uh, subscribe, download, you know, share a review, do something, you know, don't just sit there and be a bump on a log as they used to say. Uh, if there's an old saying for you, right? Uh, that's an old one. Gave away my age. If you're listening to us on anchor.fm, that is our home platform. We'd love, uh, we'd love some support there too. Big one though, not so much just for yourself. You've heard this. You've got to know somebody that came across your mind during this podcast that you said, oh, hell, they have to listen to this. This would be good for so-and-so. I need to give this to, go share it. Send it to them. Help get this out there. This is information that somebody out there can use. It's good. You know, a, a nice share just shows your love for somebody else. We love all of you. We thank you for making the time and taking the time to stop by and listen to us. Sometimes that saying gets me a little emotional because really, in the scheme of things, we're not a big deal. We love the fact that any of you think we are. So stay up, stay safe, stay healthy, and live. For myself, Coffee with Mike and Art Bell, ciao for now. For more information on Java Chat, visit www.javachatpodcast.com. You've been listening to Coffee with Mike on Java Chat. Tune in weekly to this podcast for the next episode. You can also download or subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. A production of Oasis Media Group, LLC. Located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Who wants, who wants a pot of coffee? I just make coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now it's time for the man with the caffeine, the new tropics for the brain. It's Coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started. Hey everybody, welcome back to Java Chat. This is Coffee with Mike, and today I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing a gentleman that's going to share with us a story about it, about a literal change in TV broadcasting that most of us have no freaking clue about. All I know is that I used to, when HBO was around, um, 
they started coming out with extra channels and all these other networks. And one in particular, I used to love watching, which was called Comedy Central. Well, the gentleman I get to interview today is the man that came up with the brainchild of Comedy Central, and that is Art Bell. Art, thanks for joining us here on Java Chat. Mike, thanks for having me. Yeah, that's cool. Um, quite a story you must have. I mean, how did you even get into broadcasting? Well, uh, I aimed for it, actually. Cool. I, I uh, wanted to be in the television business. And when I came out of school, I thought I really wanted to work, you know, close to programming and everything else. But I did not have any experience. Uh -huh. So I ended up going to work for CBS, which was in those days, you know. They were the behemoth. Gigantic. Yeah. You know, they were it. it was huge. Yeah. And it was also like kind of the post office of broadcasting mm -hmm. because it had, you know, it had so many layers of management and everything. I was nowhere near <laughs> the product. You know what I mean? I was the, doing the epitome of the analysis. corporate structure, boy. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it, it really was. was. Partly as, as a victim of the success of uh, broadcasting, there were three broadcasters in those days, ABC, NBC, and CBS. Yep. They were gigantic. They were like, you know, whoever came in first made a zillion dollars and whoever came in third made a zillion minus one dollar. And that was, you know. <laughs> that was pretty much that, it. Yep. That was pretty much it year after year. And they just had, you know, lots of staff and lots of, lots of people like me working for, you know, doing crazy things. Uh, they weren't very important, I thought, but there I was. Yeah, it's it's always interesting when you get locked into the corporate structure. You always you always wonder whether or not what you're doing is worth anything. But you, so you aimed, and where did you end up when you first got into CBS? Where were you? I was in the television stations division, which I have to say, of all the places I could have gone, uh, that was a good one. In that, at least I was around television stations once in a while. Mm. And in those days, television stations really had a strong news presence. Yes, they, they did. Local news presence. That's where people got their local news. Mm -hmm. uh, local television, local radio. <clears throat> so I got a good look at that, if nothing else. But mostly I was just cranking out financial reports. Oh, geez. You were, you were counting beans for them. It's, <laughs> look, you know, when you have to get into the business, you get into the business, you know. Yeah. You, don't, you don't get to check off the the job you want that's a that's a deep that's a deep dive into a business let me tell you when you're when you're looking at numbers all day that that becomes um uh you know what let me just say you know for people listening out there who say oh my gosh i would never do that you got to remember it, it was a job there were other people around young people we got to be friends we had some laughs got me my next job learned how to work in a huge corporate structure should i ever need that again i mean mm. let's let's not let's not really denigrate it too much and corporations, you know, it's, it's a fact of business. So mm. yep. knowing how to operate within a corporation is worth, worth a lot. Well, I'm sure the the background too, once you, once you get into that, you have one of the biggest staples that you need in your background, even as an entrepreneur, you got to be able to understand your numbers. I mean, if you can't read a simple P and L or something like that, you're doomed somewhere down the line. So, and I got a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this. So, it doesn't matter if you if if you if you have worked in a corporate structure. There's always bits and pieces of it that you're going to need as an entrepreneur somewhere down the line. It, it, it's it, there's value in it. So yeah, I get that. I mean, it's it's totally. Yeah, when you absolutely. you got from you went from there to TV stations. When did you start getting into the actual like more directly involved with the broadcasting side, or or is that already involved in the broadcasting side? 
Well, that's broadcasting. Okay. I mean, and, and let me, you know. Again, I'm, I'm clueless. This is why I'm asking. This is just, I, I yeah, don't no, know. No, no, it's, it's, it's good that you're clueless. Uh, so that we can talk it through with yeah. you and everybody else listening. Yeah. Um, broadcasting is, uh, you know, what goes out over the air. Mm -hmm. And what happened years ago is that cable came along. Yeah. What cable was originally was a way to get broadcast signals, which may have been weak in a certain areas, from a big gigantic antenna on a hill nearby into people's homes. Right. And then once they did that, then cable channels started showing up, HBO among them. HBO, HBO started in the 70s. Yeah. People, people may not realize that. And it went up on the satellite in 1976. Now, that was a big innovation in cable. I didn't even know that. Yeah, because before that, you know, uh, it was rare for a channel for anybody to be up on a satellite. Satellite time was expensive. But oh, yeah. the people at HBO had this idea. They said, look, we got programming here. If we put it up on the satellite, then downlink it to the cable operator. Instead of him taking a broadcast signal, he'll take a cable, you know, a satellite signal. Yeah. He could distribute that to his, his customers. Cable was born. So, um, yeah, That's so crazy. I got, I went from broadcasting to cable, essentially. Okay. Um, and the way I did that is I had a friend who I'd been working with at CBS, and I was only there for a year and a half or so, uh -huh. but he got picked off by HBO. He got a job at HBO. Now, this is the early, early to mid 80s. And he called me up after a few months. He said, man, it's just like, it's, it's crazy fun here. You know, I mean, it's really, first of all, these guys are so successful. They've got lots of money, lots of resources. Secondly, they're walking around the hall saying they're going to change pro change television forever. I mean, that was their mandate. I mean, you got to, HBO is kind of what Netflix is now, you know, it's mm -hmm. just like new and shiny and how are we going to, you know, what are we going to do with it? Yeah. And he said, and the really good news is they're looking for somebody who, uh, who can do subscriber forecasting for them. They want to know how many subscribers they're going to have. And didn't you work as an economist before yeah. you got into television? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I did. And he said, well, you're probably the only guy I know who can do forecasting modeling. Um, why don't you come interview for the job? So I did. And that's how I got a job at HBO. Talk about the uh, new kid on the block trying to go up against the, the big 800-pound gorillas. There were three of them that HBO had to deal with out the gate. How did that go? Well, you know, by the time I got there, you got to remember the innovation that was HBO mm -hmm. was uncut movies. Yeah. Delivered directly to your home. No commercials. No that commercials. Was best, that was the best and part. And no about censorship. Yeah. You know, they weren't, they weren't cutting out the, you know, the, the language or the sex yep. violence, whatever yep. it was. Stuff that was being shown on, on uh, broadcast up until then had been, you know, cut movies. I mean, they yeah. had not only commercials, but they, you know, they had to sanitize them for, for broadcast. Yeah. So that was, that was why television, you know, HBO television sold a lot. Oh, and sure. They got into a lot of homes. They're still in a lot of homes. Yeah. And they made a lot of money. That's amazing. Yeah. So once you got in and you started doing the forecasting, what did, where did you see this new opportunity or, or was it just kind of bubbling under the surface waiting to be discovered? How did that go? Well, I'll tell you the truth. I, I thought about a comedy network as early as business school. Wow. And I'll tell you why. I, 
um, when I got to business school, I was looking for people like me who were interested in the entertainment business, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. figuring maybe there's a club or something, you know? Yeah. They directed me to the Wharton Follies. I was at Wharton Graduate School. The Wharton Follies. And I said, what's that? And they said, well, the graduate students put on a musical comedy satirical review once a year. I said, well, that sounds good. So I went down and I checked in with them. And it was really quite a group. I mean, these were a lot of <clears throat> people from entertainment who were trying to get out of entertainment. Wow. <laughs> go into investment banking and consulting. So we had, you know, we had a, the director had been a Broadway director. The choreographer had worked on Broadway. I mean, these were people who were really. They were there. They'd done that. Uh, they were there. And there were a lot of kids from that Harvard who had been in the Harvard Hasty Pudding show. And wow. All that. You know, so these people were, you know, they weren't pikers. I mean, these were. This they was know. Real item. Yeah. The second know. year I did it, I, you know, I was in it the first year. Second year I did it, I wrote it. I wrote the whole thing. And I, I had always liked writing comedy and I wrote the whole thing. It was very funny. And it reminded me how much fun comedy is. And so when I came out of business school, I said, hey, how come, why no comedy network? You know, you got an all news channel out there. You got an all music channel. You got an all sports channel. What happened to the all comedy channel? And I figured somebody would start one eventually. But when I got my first job, there wasn't one. So I went to CBS. Used to, when, when Comedy Central started, if I remember correctly, well, before it was Comedy Central, uh, it had a, it had a different name, I think, because there was a, right. somebody else, somebody else started a comedy network at the same time that you, your, that HBO did, didn't they? Was, I can't remember who it was. Okay. So I'm going to give you the story because it is a little confusing. <laughs> Let's start from the beginning. <laughs> I'll give you the straight story. <laughs> I pitched, I pitched the comedy concept to HBO when okay. I was there. And we okay. can go through how that happened and what, what happened. Yeah, in the that, next section, we'll do that. That was launched as the comedy channel. Yes, that's right. Okay. Okay, so that was the very first comedy network in the world. And until then, there wasn't one. Six months later, a second comedy network launched, and that was called Ha, the Comedy Network. Oh, I remember that them. Was, that was launched by MTV Networks yeah. as completely as a competitor to what we were doing. And just to be honest, I never watched that one. I watched it like <laughs> once or twice that I can remember. And I was like, yeah, I'm going back to Comedy Channel. <laughs> you know what? Thank you for saying that. Um, I I, no, because I honestly think that you're correct. I think they started it just to just to start shit. And I don't think they did a good job on it, honestly. I love watching comedy. It, uh, you know, listen. One thing that you learn in business, and this is a message to everybody out there who's an entrepreneur or anything else, mm. never under, underestimate the competition. True. They are going to show up. They are going to show up. We came out with, we made an announcement that we were doing a comedy channel mm. called the Comedy Channel. And we had been working on it for six or eight months before we made the big announcement. Sure. <clears throat> a day after we announced, and I am talking the next day. MTV Networks put out a press release. We are doing a comedy network as well. We're calling it Ha. Now, how far do you think they'd gotten on their comedy on their comedy concept at that point? They had a press release, yeah. but good for them, you know, yeah. good for them because they weren't going to take it lying down. That HBO was going to take run a up. Yeah, they were going to take a cut of the cut of yeah. the viewers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So they started it six months after we launched. They launched, as I said. And uh, we went head to head, boom. And I had to laugh. I had to say, you know, I mean, as, as much as I had my hands full with launching a comedy network, when the comedy 
competition showed up. Yeah. I said, oh man, you're kidding me. <laughs> but I did have to laugh and say, hey, you know, six months ago, there weren't any comedy networks. Suddenly there's going to be two comedy yeah, networks. Yeah, exactly. That must validate the whole concept, right? Yeah. I can't be completely out of my mind. No, I, 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 I would say that screams validation because at that point it's like, and I agree. I mean, who doesn't want to laugh? I mean, who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to have a good chuckle here and there? You know, why wouldn't you want to be able to turn on something that you can look at and just watch it? Back in those days, all we had was TV. Of course, now we can watch it on our phones and stuff. But the point back then was the only people that I had any kind of humor that you could watch were the late night, like Johnny Carson and all those guys. That was about it. And it was, that was it. Here, now you have the opportunity of, of 24-7. You feel like getting a laugh. Turn on Comedy Channel. Turn on Comedy Central. Um, if I remember correctly, eventually the, the two merged, didn't they? Comedy, the Comedy Channel merged with Ha at the end. It was a year after we launched and six months after they launched. What was um, the story behind that one? Because, I mean, obviously something happened that, that MTV was just kind of like, eh, or they realized that this would be a great idea. Let's do that. How did that play out? Well, as I said, we were going head to head. We were yeah. fighting as, you know, as, as using everything in our power to try and make sure that the comedy channel survived and that the hot channel, which we didn't care about died. That, yeah. that was, yep. that was that's how it plan. goes. That's Let's how it goes out of business. Let's yep. be better with them. Yep. And you know, by the end of the year, we had more audience. We had a better concept. I thought we had, uh, we had so much going for us and I got a phone call saying, we're going to merge the channels. And I thought, what? <laughs> Wait a second. We are winning. Yeah, we right. So far out ahead. The press said it. The ratings are better. Everything's going great. They got nothing. Yeah. And we're merging. And I'll tell you, I, I found out the story subsequently. The story is that the cable operators who had to launch the channel individually on all their cable systems. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Manhattan Cable, Los Angeles Cable, Chicago right. okay. Cable. There were individual cable systems. They didn't want two comedy networks. <laughs> they didn't want to have to make a decision, and they sure as heck didn't want to launch two. Yeah. So there was pressure put on HBO and MTV networks to merge the channels, and just like, come on, stop already, oh because the comedy wars are making us crazy, the cable operator said. And there was one very powerful cable operator who owned, I would say, 25% of the cable systems in America, and he said, look, knock it off, merge them. And so wow. our, my boss was the chairman of HBO, Michael Fuchs, very yeah. powerful. Yeah, I remember that name. And Frank Biondi, who is a very fat, powerful man, who is the head of Viacom. They remember that name been, too. They had been co-chairman of HBO. So they were friends. They knew each other. So it wasn't a big deal. It was an easy so decision. It was a phone call. Yeah. You know, it was a phone call. I heard actually, and I, I put this in my book, uh, because I wrote a book about the whole thing. Sure, sure, sure. Called Constant Comedy, How I Started Comedy Central yeah. and Lost My Sense of Humor. It's a memoir. Anyway, I put the story in my book. And the, the rumor was that they played tennis together every week. Oh, jeez. Because they were still friends. And over the tennis net, they did a deal saying, look, we're going to make each other crazy. Yeah, so. it's not unusual. I've, I've, I've heard of stuff like that happening out on golf courses, yeah. racquetball courts. And you just, you know. Hey, why don't we just do this and just not, you know, let's just do that. It's probably better, probably easier. A lot of business gets done that way. Yeah, it does. 
Cool. Um, and so today, you're now a published author. Are you? What are you doing now besides being an author? Are you just hanging out, chilling? What do you do? Man, if you call this chilling. <laughs> <laughs> when you launch a book, and this is my first book. I've been writing for about, I guess, four or five years. When you launch a book, you spend a lot of time, you know, not only promoting the book, but just sort of having fun with the book. You know, mm. I mean, for me, I wrote a memoir. Mm. It's about a specific time. And there were a lot of people involved. And half the fun has been just talking to all the people, call me up, hey, I read the book. It's great. You know, wow, wasn't that great? Um, and, uh, and talking to the press and, you know, talking to other people who are very interested in the time. And really just getting the word out. I, I'm glad I wrote the book because I'm, it's the 30th anniversary, by the way, of Comedy Central. Really? A April 1st. Yeah. Let me write that down. You're going to have to write that down. Yeah. April, April wait, April 1st is when Comedy Central launched. I didn't know that. Yes. Holy cow. April 1st. And um, that was the Merge Channel. That's when we relaunched as the Merge Channel, which is a crazy story in itself. Um. So, the, you know, listen, we are, you know, I am very interested in kind of keeping the original flame alive just because it was so much fun. It was such a creative time, even though it was so difficult to launch. Uh, and it was difficult in many ways. So listen, entrepreneurs are always up against the constant possibility of failure. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it's nothing, nothing, including Comedy Central. Is, was shot, is shot out of a cannon, fully realized, completely successful, exactly right. the way the person who, in this case, me, pictured it and pitched it. Yep. It, you know, it, it's improvisational. Yeah. I used to say that. This is improvisational comedy, man. We got to figure out what we're doing every day to make things better. That's, that's really inside that's really cool that you said that because as entrepreneurs, we're constantly telling each other, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Just, you do your best that you can today, planning for tomorrow, <clears throat> and then figuring it out as it comes because you never know. Sales could go through the roof tomorrow. Sales could take a complete dive tomorrow, or it could be the same. Are you ready for it? I think that has a lot to do with what you what you just said. Um, we're going to take a short 30-second break, you guys. When we come back, I want to dig in a little bit to some of those stories, um, some of those stories in the memoirs because I, I have a feeling there's some.